Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. It's wonderful to see you grace the threshold of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop once again. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have got a curious device to take a look at. It is an old phonograph, a Thomas Edison phonograph. Circa the late 1870s, now this device is what would later pave the way for things like the record player and all of the devices we have to listen to music. But back in the day, this was a piece of device that recorded sound on a tinfoil cylinder coated in wax, and you could record your voice and play it back. It was a voice machine, if you will, or in the Latin a vox machina. And if we were to put on this particular wax cylinder, we might hear adventures and tales from distant lands and far-off realms, the clash of swords and the scream of agony as brave heroes fight dastardly villains. And therein lies today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at Season 2 of the Amazon Prime series, The Legend of Vox Machina. So The Legend of Vox Machina is a series that I got into a little late. That's why you never heard an episode where I talked about Season 1 because uh, by the time I got around to watching it, it, it was kind of too late. So I'm like, I can't wait for Season number 2 to come out because if the second season is as good as the first season, this is definitely something I want to talk about on, on the podcast. Of course, I've got Amazon Prime, so I, I saw it on there, but I was like, uh... Uh, a cartoon. I, I don't know. I, I'm very selective as the uh, animation that I'll watch. But my D&D group, and, and I'll be quite honest, I've only been playing D&D for uh, a couple years now. But some friends of mine have been playing, they, you know, they're guys that have been playing it since, you know, back in the day, back in the 80s. They decided to invite me into their, their group. So we've been playing for the past couple years, various campaigns. And in playing with them and hearing them talk about Dungeons and Dragons and all of the all the materials of Dungeons and Dragons. Of course, I've heard them talk about the group Critical Role, who it's a group of voice actors who play Dungeons and Dragons. They have a web series on YouTube. It's very cool. I've only got to catch little bits and pieces of their web series. It's one of those things where I'm like, oh, as soon as I have time, I want to go back and, and watch some of their old campaigns, but I just, I haven't yet, but I, I know enough and I've seen enough to know uh, who the voice actors are. Once I found out that this Legend of Vox Machina animated series on Amazon Prime was the critical role people and they're essentially their campaign number one and how much the guys in my D&D group uh, really enjoyed it. I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to go watch this. So I watched season 1 and like I said, really enjoyed it. Uh the characters are fantastic and what little I know of what Critical Role does compared to what the animated series is, I, I like how they have all their characters, all the voice actors from Critical Role are voicing their own characters in this, even the DM uh Matt Mercer who <laughs> who does uh, Trinket, the, the companion bear for one of the characters. We'll, we'll talk about the characters in a little bit. He even, right, even reprises his role as Trinket the Grizzly Bear in this series. And it's just such a fun series. If you like fantasy, you're going to dig this. If you like Dungeons & Dragons, if you play Dungeons & Dragons, you're really going to dig this. If you've watched the, you know, the Vox Machina campaign from Critical Role, you're really going to dig this. And I only really kind of fit half of that criteria. Uh, you know, I play D&D. You know, I, I grew up reading, you know, I read the Dragonlance series of books, uh, at least some of it. You know, I was always interested in fantasy and Dungeons & Dragons type things. The old Choose Your Own Adventures uh, books, the Wizards Wars and You books, stuff like that. Uh, I was always into that, but I just never got into playing D&D &D until, like I said, a couple years ago. But 
I really love this series, The Legend of Vox Machina, because it really embodies all of the action and adventure and the fantasy of Dungeons and Dragons, but it also embodies the camaraderie of coming up with these characters, these characters and how they mesh together, and the fun of you know, people playing these characters and, and the fun you have. And it really kind of, some of the things, some of the jokes, some of the joking around that, that goes on between these characters. And, and there is a lot of comedy in this, but there's also a lot of heart. There's a lot of adventure. There's a lot of darkness in this. But uh, some of the fun that these characters have just reminds me of some of the fun that we have role-playing characters in, in my own D&D group. So that's why I really attach to this the series, The Legend of Vox Machina, and why I loved it so much, and, and why the second season uh, was so fantastic. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make any bones about it. Uh, I enjoyed the second season uh, probably even more than I enjoyed the first season. But uh, from here on out, there are going to be spoilers. I'm not going to talk about this and hold back on, on what I think or, or what I've seen. So, uh, in, in talking about this series i've got to be able to talk about it so there are going to be spoilers if you haven't seen season one we're not going to talk about that very much but we're going to focus on season two but if you haven't seen that uh please go watch it first it's 12 episodes half hour each it's not a huge time crunch a huge time commitment you can blast through it in a few days if you take your time if you're doing it at a leisurely pace but uh, go watch it first and then come back and see if you know what I'm thinking is what you th- are thinking uh, if maybe you like things that I didn't like and there wasn't much that I didn't like uh, but maybe you didn't like things that I thought were really good and you know just kind of compare and contrast uh, notes so to speak but go check out The Legend of Vox Machina Season 2 on Amazon Prime but if you don't care about spoilers or if you've watched it already or you're like I'm not going to watch this but I want to hear what you think about it anyway then we're going to we're going to press on in season 2 of The Legend of Vox Machina. So the end of the first season Vox Machina they've saved the day they've saved the kingdom and they're you know at this big ceremony with the king of the realm tell Dory played by uh, Kari Payton of of the Walking Dead fame and season 2 picks up essentially right where that left off and you know they're doing this big ceremony thanking Vox Machina and then all of a sudden these dragons show up and just decimate the city and are decimating the countryside and you're introduced to the the main bad guys for this season and the uh, foreseeable future uh, first kind of a spoiler here but uh we're introduced to the Chroma Conclave which is straight from the Critical Role Vox Machina campaign and we'll kind of talk about some of the some of the things you see in the Critical Role web series and this it's probably a lot different like I said I haven't watched the Critical Role series so I don't know how things exactly went down in those campaigns this is more uh, set for television so it's a more thought out story as opposed to D&D players role playing in the moment so I'm sure there's a lot of differences but they do touch on a lot of the same things and they go to a lot of the same places uh, in the Critical Role uh, Vox Machina web series and that that campaign and the Legend of Vox Machina series that that we're watching on Amazon Prime. Of course, the Chroma Conclave are these four dragons. Uh, Green dragon that's got the poisonous gas, the black dragon that that breathes acid, the white dragon that breathes uh, ice, and their leader, the red dragon that breathes fire. Now, in season one, we saw the legend of or we saw Vox Machina kill a blue dragon. Now that's the the other dragon that's kind of missing in this kind of set of five dragons that generally make up beasts like Tiamat. I don't know if we're going to see that in this series at, at any point or not, but uh, the blue dragon is dead. That would have breathed lightning, but uh, we get this these four dragons, the Chroma Conclave, and they are set to decimate the city and they are collecting gold for their leader this red dragon and the defenses of the city the defenses of the country the defenses of surrounding cities and even vox machina by themselves are no match for the chroma conclave so we see them go off in search of
of these vestiges, their ancient artifact weapons that will help them defeat these dragons. And that's essentially what this season is. It's it's multiple fetch quests that you would get in a video game. Uh, and you get with a lot of D&D campaigns where you've got to your group and you're looking for something. And that's kind of where we... That's, that's really the launching off point for this this season is this problem, the Chroma Conclave trying to take over the world. There's something going on. This red dragon is constantly collecting gold, but it's not for your traditional dragon horde. And we kind of get a, a teaser as to what that is at the very end of the, the season, which we'll talk about coming up a little bit later. But you've got our heroes, uh, Vox Machina, going out trying to find these weapons to defeat these dragons and, and trying to find help along the way as well. So we're going to talk about this story in in kind of a, in kind of the way we usually do. I'm going to talk about the characters and their place in the story and what we see with them, what they're going through, and, and what I liked and didn't like about their storylines. And like I said, there wasn't much I didn't like about about this 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 story and and this series and these characters are just the embodiment of what I love about D&D and getting together with my D&D group so there wasn't a lot that I have to complain about this so if you're looking for a scathing review uh, this probably isn't going to be it if I were going to do a review on that Netflix ripoff of Vox Machina called uh, Dragon Age Absolution and I know that's based off either a video game I think it's a video game something like that but if I were going to do a review on that, then you would get a lot of critiques because that I just, I couldn't even get through the first couple episodes. And I was like, one, this is boring. Two, it feels so much like a, we're putting social commentary and we're shoehorning diversity into this story to show how, uh, how much better we are. But Netflix and, and the people that run that show. So I, I'm not a big fan of that. I may end up going back and watching it uh, just to give it a fair shot. But after the first two episodes of Dragon Age Absolution, I was like, ah, no, I don't care about this. But uh, Vox Machina, I do care about because it is actually good. It puts story before anything else. And it's not that you don't get some commentary. And it's not that you don't get diversity. But it's done in such a a good way that I, I enjoy it because you're staying true to the characters that these voice actors created, but you're still enriching the story with, with other cultures and, and people that look different than our main characters and, and not in just kind of, you know, passive roles. Everyone uh, in this, you know, there's a lot of great characters that aren't our main characters that are very strong characters and are characters that are maybe not developing as fast as our main characters because the show is The Legend of Vox Machina. We're going to be focusing on the Vox Machina group. But you do get a lot of other interesting characters that add diversity in, in a way that makes sense to the story. Like I said, they put the story first. They put these characters that Critical Role has created first and then have kind of filled in the blank spaces with uh, with diversity and uh, commentary on, on various things, uh, social issues. It's done subtly, it's done deftly, and it's done right. I'm the biggest supporter of social commentary in movies when it fits, when it works with the story, and when uh, it is not the focal point of the story, but an aftermath of the story. When you're done with the story, and I've watched it, and I've seen all these things play out, and I've had a good time watching an action adventure, uh, a fun fantasy, a horror story, a sci-fi thriller, what have you. If I've gotten finished watching it, and I've enjoyed what I've watched, and then I'm like, yeah, but you know that part of that movie really made me think or or this part of this movie really made me think or that ending really made me think and i'm thinking about things of social importance uh that's that's when it's done right not when you're right out of the gate smacking me upside the head with some sort of social standpoint or or some political standpoint uh that's when i'm like oh okay now you're just you're just doing this this tv series or this movie is just a vehicle for you to preach at me about how I need to start thinking better 
and and then I don't get to enjoy the story because I feel like I'm being preached to the whole time. But you don't get that with the Legend of Vox Machina, even though, like I said, they do touch on some some social things, which uh, we may or may not get into. Into this, I, I really don't like uh, making this some sort of uh, social justice platform or some political platform. Uh, that's not this. I'm here to talk about movies and TV shows and books and and music that I really love, and I really love the Legend of Vox Machina. So we're gonna dive right into the characters in this story of season two. So one of the first characters I'm going to talk about is a character that really took a front and center position in this season that he didn't get so much. In the last season, the first season, we really got to dive into Percival's character, played by Taliesin Jaffe. And we got to see his character go back to his home of Whitestone, and we got to see the interaction with his sister and kind of the reconciliation with his sister. Got a lot into the Percival backstory. We got little bits of backstory from some of the other characters, but in season two, we really get to dive into the backstory of Vax and Vex. We get to dive into the backstory of Pike and Grog. We even get a little bit of Scanlan's backstory, although it's it's done in quite a quite a funny way. Uh, even Keyleth, we get into a little bit of her backstory. So everybody really gets their turn at some backstory, and we get to to meet some some different characters from these main characters passed in this uh, and not just kind of focused on like the first season really focused on Percy's backstory and and in the second season we get a little more backstory from some of the other characters and, and one of those characters being the uh, Vax character Vaxiladan Vesser uh, played by Liam O'Brien and much like all of these other voice actors uh, they've all done uh, a ton of work in anime and in video games and other animation. Everyone in this this lineup is very accomplished voice actors. Uh, now, Liam O'Brien, you probably know him. He's done anime. He's done video games. But he's also done some animation for like Marvel, uh, some of the Marvel animation that we've seen over the past few years. He's done a lot of work with that. So you've probably heard his voice before. Everyone's voice sounds familiar, but especially uh, like Liam O'Brien, his voice sounded uh, extra familiar to me just because he He's done so much work in Marvel stuff as well as the the other things that he's done. But uh, we get to see Vax, who is really one of the first characters to get one of the vestiges. And it is this armor that has the this feather component to it. And it, it makes him the champion of this matron of death. And for the most part in this, it is him reconciling what this matron wants of him, reconciling things with himself. Well, we get to go back into Vax and Vex's uh, past and and see uh, their relationship because to Vex, his twin sister, she feels like he wants her to stay close to him because he wants to be able to protect her and she feels like she doesn't need protecting when when in actuality uh he's scared he's scared of being alone and doesn't want his sister far from him because he doesn't want to be alone and and this is probably one of the things i loved most about this season is diving into this character uh vax is you know he's dark and brooding and very melancholy at, at some point points now he has this this armor and the champion of essentially the god of death in this world and of course that adds another emo element to this a very gothic element to this character and and i really relate to that i've always kind of been drawn to darker characters characters with troubled past characters that that teeter on the edge of darkness and and you get that with this character and and being the rogue type character i always gravitate towards rogues when i when i've played D, so uh, i've really kind of gravitated toward the vax character and really liked what we got to see from this character in this story because it really delved into his past it, we got to know a little more about what makes him tick and and the fears that he has and the power that he he realizes that he has and uh, i love that scene when he comes to you know he feels like this matron mother of death is following him and watching him and, and thinks it's some sinister thing but then they have that kind of confrontation where uh, she kind of explains uh, and not even really explains but uh, gives you the sense that you know like 
death is nothing to fear. Uh, death is not the grim reaper looming over your shoulder with a sickle ready to cut the the wheat and the chafe. It's you know it, it's more of a somber, peaceful thing. It's a thing to embrace uh, that you know when our time comes and that he is there to usher those into the next world. And it, it, it was really interesting. I'm I'm fascinated to see where this story goes because we just kind of touched the surface of of him with this this vestige this armor from the uh, the mother of death the matron of death and the character really brings a darkness and a bit of gravity to a group that is is very lighthearted at most times and like i said he's very dark and brooding which uh you know that always fascinates me like i said i'm drawn to that I, i'm also very interested in where they're going with because they've got some uh, romances they they tease a will they won't they sort of situation and and you can see it in you saw it in the first season a little bit they kind of didn't dive into it in this season but they teased you with the thought that uh you know vax secretly has a thing for keyleth keyleth uh, almost openly at some points has a thing for Vax, but uh, he just, you know, he's very standoffish because of that that dark and, and brooding sense about him where he doesn't have time for, for romance. No time for love, Dr. Jones. But he is more focused on the, the bigger things going on, uh, being the champion of the matron of death and things like that. So they kind of tease that. Uh, they tease a couple other relationships or potential relationships we'll, we'll get into when we talk about those characters but uh speaking of his twin sister vex vex oliveser she is the kind of the ranger the archer of the group and vax's twin sister and and there again like i said we get to dive into a little bit we didn't go too deep into her this season but we do get a little because of her relationship with vax uh when they were kids and they ran away from their father they're half elves their father is full elf and they just never measured up in his eyes and in his esteem but we get to see you know her you know she wants to be she's a strong person she doesn't need anybody's help and she feels like her older brother not older brother but her twin brother is a bit overbearing always wanting her to stay close and and that realization that it's not because he thinks she can't take care of herself it is because he's afraid to be alone and 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 that relationship between these two characters uh is just uh, a wonderful bit of drama and and real life relationship building that really fascinates I me and that's what makes this show so great because not only do you get the fantasy elements you get the D and D. You get warriors of different classes and different races battling dragons and all sorts of monsters and the undead and, and all that jazz. Uh, you get that fun stuff. You get a lot of the comedy and the camaraderie that you get from like a, a real life D and D group. All the joking and sniping back and forth. You get a lot of that, but you also get stories like like the relationship between Vax and Vex that really has some some gravity to it. It's got some some real depth to it and that's what makes it so captivating to watch and experience and and it's those little bits of drama that are sprinkled in there that really make you care about these characters and invest in these characters and and where they're going to go how they're going to develop how the relationships are going to develop from here to there but of course we get to see her uh she, you know she has a, a showdown with one of the keepers of a vestige that uh that was really fun to watch and really you know had some creepy elements a lot of these stories have so many great elements because that's one of the things i like about DD because you know you get fantasy you get wizards and warriors and that sort of thing but you also get elements of horror in DD as well so that's why uh, for me who's a fan of all you know all these big genres horror fantasy science fiction you get a little bit of all of that in DD, and the legend of vox machina is no different you get some of those horror elements in that and, and you got a little bit of that uh when they're they're looking for this vestige that 
that uh, Vex is going to get, which ends up being a bow, ironically. Uh, she gets the one with the bow because she's the archer. But she gets a sweet-ass bow. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me of the bow that the one kid, the blonde-haired kid in the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon from back in the 80s, where he just kind of pulls back and you get this like uh, flaming electric arrow just kind of appears and, and shoots off. This she can... She can shoot pretty much anything that the, like lightning and fire and ice, she can choose what she's going to fire off, a, a an arrow of lightning or an arrow of fire or an arrow of ice. And that's kind of cool. That, that kind of delves into to some of the weapons you can get in, in D&D. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that coming up. But uh, Vex didn't get a huge arc. I think her... What little arc we got from her in this season was because it was tied to Vax. I'm interested to see them dive into her character a little more in seasons to come. And they also tease a, a little bit of a maybe maybe a one-sided relationship, but a little something going on with Percy. Because while Percy was really focused on in season uh, one, he didn't get focused on so much in this. Uh, they really dove into his backstory with his sister uh, in season one. So he didn't get much of a backstory. Uh, he wasn't along for the ride because like I said, they, they tinker with the idea that he may be a little bit infatuated with Vex and may be interested in a relationship there. Uh, whether they'll, you know, how much they'll pursue that, whether it'll be an unrequited love thing, who knows? But but that was fun to watch the the little bits of flirtation and him saving her because you know he's he's got a thing for her. And of course, I didn't talk about her, but uh, Laura Bailey plays Vex, and of course, another fantastic voice actress uh, has done a lot in anime and, and video games and other animation. It's all things you've probably heard of uh, at some point or another. Some things I've never heard of, but uh, but check out her filmography as well. Uh, she's just uh, a laundry list of things she's been a part of. Now, another character I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier in relationship to Vax, uh, Keyleth, played by Marisha Ray. Uh, again, fantastic voice actress and has done you know a laundry list of work in, in anime and animation, video games, that sort of thing. Uh, we get to dive into Keyleth's character a little bit more. Uh, she is an Arashari. Uh, she's kind of a druid, a half-elf druid, and she is trying to learn all the elements. And she's supposed to be off on this quest to learn all the elements. We get a little bit of a flashback. But then we get to see her actually meet up with her father and and some of the, her other druid friends in one section of this story. And she's kind of, uh, you know, I, I haven't been on this mission to learn all these other elemental uh, magics. And, and we get to see her, though, really uh, kind of be put to the test. And, you know, she's very much a character that is not confident in herself. And we get to see her kind of show what kind of strength she has and the kind of power that she has inside of her. We've seen her wild shape into animals before, but now she has a power, a fire power that allows her to become an elemental being of fire that, that makes her, a, you know, she's gone from a very important character, being a druid, being a magic user, being at one with nature, but now she is showing that she has the power to be uh, one of the stronger characters in this group uh, when it comes to a battle. So that's it just adds another dimension to this character. And the little... Uh, it almost looks like both people are looking to for the other to make the first move between Vax and Keyleth is is quite fun to watch and and very sweet in a rom com kind of way. Another character we get kind of a flashback and not even really a flashback of her. It's it's a flashback to her grandfather. Uh, is Pike Pike Trickfoot played by Ashley Johnson? Now Ashley Johnson is quite an accomplished. Uh, voice actress uh, you know she's done again anime video games and stuff like that but uh, one thing uh, I didn't realize until I started kind of reading into her is that she played Chrissy Seaver on the growing pains there in the early 90s she was uh, you know when uh, 
the parents decide to have a baby or they get pregnant, you know, later in life and they have her and they aged her up really fast. Uh, this, this young child and, and there again, it, it was coming towards the end of growing pains run and you know, that's what you do. That's what you did back in the 80s when you had a, uh, a long-standing television series and you wanted to inject some new life into it. Uh, you introduce a kid. Uh, the Brady Bunch did it with Cousin Oliver. The Seavers did it with Chrissy Seaver. Uh, you know, Fonzie didn't have a kid, but he jumped a shark. And that's kind of tantamount to what that sort of thing is. Uh, but, uh, but she played Chrissy Seaver on Growing Pains. Uh, something else you may know, you may or may not have known. Uh, I did not know this, and I didn't realize this, but of course, uh, The Last of Us is huge on HBO Max right now. Uh, I'm watching it, loving it. I can't wait to talk about it once the season is done. We'll kind of do a full season uh, recap on that. But uh, Ashley Johnson played the voice, and she actually did the motion capture for the Ellie character in The Last of Us video games. So that's kind of a, a cool, uh, kind of a cool thing, <laughs> I think. And you know. Just it kind of adds to her bona fides as a, a voice actress, but she plays Pike Trickfoot in The Legend of Vox Machina. She's a gnome cleric, and I, I really liked the flashback of hers, but not really of her. Like I said, it was her, uh, what I'm assuming is her grandfather and her mother uh, taking care of Grog, and and she must have been a child at the time. And, and we'll get to Grog a little bit later, but they take him in and, you know, show that he has a soft spot for the small folk, and it really plays into uh, Pike and Grog's uh, friendship and their relationship. Now, you don't get a ton of with Pike in this. I mean, she's in it a lot, but you don't really get a huge story arc with her, kind of like you did in the first season where she's still learning to use the Everlight and be connected with the Everlight as a cleric. And this one, she has a lot to do in it. It's just, there's not a big story arc where we find any revelations out about her. It's more focused on some of the other characters. Like I said, uh, season one really focused on Percy. It did focus on Pike quite a lot. Uh, but uh, I, I I love this character. She's kind of like the the tough little gnome uh, that uh, is not afraid of a fight, but she's got a very soft side. Uh, I like how there's kind of another, a third potential romance here because she has a thing for Scanlan. And there's a funny scene where they're all celebrating with all of the other Goliaths or, or half giants, if you will. And Keyleth wants to, she wants to dance with Vax and he kind of turns her down. So she sits down and, and starts drinking heavily. And then Pike sees Scanlan uh, going off with another gnome and she's getting jealous and she starts drinking heavily and... It just, it was a cute scene and the kind of, with Scanlan and Pike, they, they both have a thing for each other, but they don't seem to want to admit it, uh, at least not out loud to anyone else. And that's, that's kind of a fun, you know, it's the will they won't they thing, which it, I should probably not enjoy that. And it shouldn't tickle me as much as it does. But, you know, I'm a romantic at heart. Uh, inside of my cold black heart, there is a spark of a, a romantic and that sort of thing. Uh, I just enjoy that. But but like I said, Pike didn't have a huge arc, but she was very involved in the story and in big ways. And that's one of the things I, I don't think each character gets a focal uh, story arc in each season, but each character is very integral into the, the the main story of each season. So nobody ever really seems to get lost, which I, which I really like. Like Scanlan. Scanlan's another character that I, I just love this character. He's a gnome bard. And I, I'm very, I, I like this character a lot because I play a halfling bard in the latest campaign. One of the campaigns that we're doing right now, I'm in the middle of like three campaigns with my group, but I play a halfling bard and he, 
He can be quite uh, mouthy at times. It very much reminds me of Scanlan. Maybe not as much of a, uh, a cad as Scanlan is because Scanlan's very much, uh, he wants to do it with pretty much anyone or anything. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's uh, very particular. But Scanlan Shorthalt is uh, a fun character. There again, like I said, it didn't get a huge arc with him. But he was very integral in the story. And there was a, a bit of an arc at the end where he meets his daughter. He thinks it's this hot gnome that he's going to go bang. Then he finds out it's his daughter. So they, they go into some dark places. I mean, the potential that he was uh, had the hots for his daughter was kind of messed up. But And they, they even address that in the story as well with the other characters. But the character's so fun. And and they do. They... they add a lot of drama to this character that is it's not just a comic relief character although he does provide a lot of comedy especially when he's interacting with grog but there are moments where he's talking with vax and realizing that he, he hasn't always been the best person and he's been an absentee father and he wants to do better and he's the kind of guy that you know he's he's small and and you know, doesn't want to get into a fight all the time and and is will be the first one to say we can't do this but then you know he has that moment where he decides that he is going to be better than he's been in the past and and saves the day and that's you know that's the kind of stuff that fantasy is written for you know finding your inner power and and doing whatever you have, whether you have to sacrifice yourself or or what to to save the day and and defeat the the villain, and Sam Regal uh, does this character fantastically. I just I, I love this character because the comedy is so fantastic, and he also handles those dramatic moments when you know he's having those moments of self doubt when he's having the heart to heart with Vax. Uh, it, you know it's 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 very well done. Like I said, all of these actors are very accomplished voice actors and and it really shows on the performances they put on you get that drama you you get the excitement and the adventure you also get the comedy i mean there's i, I don't know is if a season goes by without the scanlan character uh contemplating uh some creature's anus uh it's and even in this one, uh, there is a, you know, in back in the Avengers Infinity War Endgames, that era, there was a theory that Ant-Man should have shrunk himself down and crawled up Thanos's uh, butthole and then just grow big and blow him up. Uh, that's there's something that goes on in this season that is not too dissimilar from that. Uh, it doesn't work out quite the same way, and it's not a shrink-yourself-down sort of scenario, but if you if you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. And as effed up as that is, it kind of worked in a, in an adventure way. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to watch uh, Vox Machina to... to see what goes on there but uh one final character we are going to talk about is the grog strongjaw character played by uh, travis willingham and this was a character that we got to focus on a little bit more this uh this season uh because you got to focus on one his relationship and his history with pike and her family uh you know how he was a part of the storm herd and they kind of kicked him out uh, because he didn't want to kill uh the gnomes there and his uh, forging a friendship with Pike's grandfather and and I believe Pike's mother and them taking him in and that's that's how his relationship with Pike started uh, because you know he was a friend of their family and and then we get this whole scene where he or this whole story where uh, he comes back against the storm herd of Goliaths and his uncle has these uh, gauntlets that uh, are very powerful that they need it's one of the the vestiges that they're trying to get to defeat the dragons but he's had uh, a spell cast on him i can't remember exactly how that happened but he has shrunk down and he's very skinny and can barely walk and we see this fight in between him and his uncle and it kind of calls back to a meeting he had with another warrior that kept asking him where he gets his strength from and he didn't know at first it's his his arms 
and his muscles and and then he doesn't know but then he realizes and it may sound like a little bit of hokum and it may sound like it's i, I don't know it, it may sound a little like uh the power is inside of you all the time uh it's not that but you know he realizes he gets a strength from his friends and that's a that's a good message. I, I think we all really need to understand that you know without our friends, without our family, without our, the people that are closest to us, uh, we're not as strong as we we could be. And, and when we have that that network of people that care about us, it just makes us better. And, and that's kind of the I think the message that they're trying to give there. But you have some great fight scenes with with Grog and his uncle. And then we'll get into the look and the feel of this this animated series a little bit later, but to really get some of those fantastic uh, fight scenes that that are brutal and bloody and and fun to watch. But I think over the past two seasons, we have got to see all these characters grow a little bit. They've all seemed to be missing a piece in their life, uh, a piece in their. Uh, what makes them the the warrior that they are. And I think for a lot of these characters, we've seen them realize the piece that was missing in them. And I think, you know, we haven't seen some of these characters, most of these characters, in their full capacity as a warrior in, until now. And I think these seasons to come, uh, I think we'll only see these characters get stronger and better and more interesting, not only from a warrior and a fighting standpoint as their ability to take on the rest of the Chroma Conclave, but also we get to see these characters develop emotionally and get to see their relationships develop. I just really, I, I can't wait to see the next season it, that and that, I think that to me is a a sign of a good story when uh, I can't wait to see the next episode and when the all the episodes are over I can't wait to see the next season and it's it's a bummer that I gotta wait another year before I can see the next season of the legend of Vox Machina but that all kind of brings us to the big climax where uh, we see Vox Machina taking on this this black dragon Umbriel, I believe his his name. Uh, he is working with a another character that we saw in the end of season one, Percy and his family at Whitestone, uh, a person from his past. Uh, the character doesn't really play a big role, just more kind of manipulating. Uh, so I won't get into the character too much, but uh, but I think this character is going to play an integral part in seasons to come. But there's this big battle between Umbral and and Vox Machina, and it's it's a brutal. It's where we get that scene where <laughs> Scanlan uh, talks Vax into becoming a human suppository for Umbral, and it's just it, it's fun to watch because it, it's so much. A rock and a hard place sort of situation. You've got all these warriors, and you think, okay, they're ready. They've got three of the vestiges. They're gonna take on this this black dragon, and they're gonna the whoop his ass. And things seem to be going well at first, and then the tide turns, and then it seems like there's no way they're gonna be able to win because this this beast as being is just so powerful. And, and then they find a way to win. And, and I know maybe that probably sounds a little formulaic. It's something we've seen before. But the animation is such and the storytelling is such that it's just captivating to watch. To see how they're going to eventually uh, win the day even when all the odds are stacked against them. And that really plays into the Scanling character. Uh, you know, he wants to run. They can't defeat this thing. But then he gets the, the intestinal and the testicular fortitude to, to stand up when, when all of his other members of his party seem defeated. And to, to single-handedly defeat this dragon uh, was, was fun to watch. And it's nice to see that sort of character development and that sort of character realization that sometimes you just got to fight. No matter whether you can win or lose, you've got to at least try. And there again, another great message that maybe kind of borders on hokum, but I don't think so. I think that's the sort of message we all need to see and we all need to apply to our lives. So that wraps up the season. The, the black dragon is dead, but we know we've still got the, 
the red dragon to fend off. We've got the white dragon. The green dragon makes an appearance in the vestige of another character and looks like that dragon may be wanting to help Vox Machina. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. And then we get that last scene with the red dragon. We find out what he's been doing with all this gold. It's not a horde. It almost looks like he's hatching new dragons. There's dragon eggs down in this volcano where all this gold is being melted around these these eggs and uh, I think he's creating a dragon army to help uh, take over the continent, take over the world. So again, very much a, a fun, entertaining, uh, if you love D&D, if you love fantasy adventures, I mean, this is this has got it all. And and normally, you know, I, I would think, oh, I wish this were live action, but I don't because I just love the animation is so good. It's kind of that anime style, much like Castlevania, the blood and guts and gore, just... <laughs> fantastic and delightful to watch uh, they don't hold back much like castlevania they don't hold back in the blood and gore there's there's scenes where the black dragon is spewing his acid and you get to see goliaths and other creatures and, and humans uh and elves and, and whatnot just all being melted and it's it's disgusting but it's so fun to watch i mean it's it's the kind of things that you you talk about in a DD game and you try to imagine you do the the theater of the mind sort of thing but to be able to see stuff like that play out uh on the screen is it's just it, it's good gory fun and and they don't hold back on the gore they don't hold back on the places that they'll go to uh like i said scalen and vax uh were essentially human suppositories for a dragon uh there's no there's no filter on this show which I, I appreciate that because like i said it really reminds me of the things that we do in in my own DD group and the the places we'll go that maybe uh aren't suitable for polite society but uh, but we go there and we have fun doing it and that's what this show does it has fun doing what what this show does and i really really enjoy that and like i said uh, the the animation is fantastic gory when it needs to be uh beautiful when it needs to be when you're going to the fey realm and you you see all these weird things that just aren't of of the normal world and it's beautiful to watch it's such a a, a fantastic visual that you get with this with this series through the animation and you get a lot of fantastic uh, work from the actors the actors not just the the main vox machina actors but some of the some of the other actors that you get in a lot of the side stories or or some of the other characters that we see like i said kari payton uh in season one and partly you know the beginning of season two stephen root Dominic Monaghan had a, a recurring role in season one. Kelly Hu has a reoccurring role. Uh, Lance Reddick has been uh, one of the characters in, in this last season. David Tennant had a, a guest spot in season one. Will Friedel had a guest spot this season. Uh, Billy Boyd had a, a huge role in one episode uh, as a guest voice. Henry, Henry Winkler uh, played uh, Pike's grandfather, which was, was fun to hear him uh, doing a voice in this. So just a, a lot of great actors, not just the, the main cast, but you get a lot of great character actors, voice actors, and, and guest star appearances. So the, the acting is just top-notch in this. I mean, like I said, top-notch voice actors, top-notch guest stars, and, and it's just really fun to hear the different voices that, that are so accomplished uh, putting on this show. And like I said, not only do uh, these main voice actors voice their main characters, but they also voice a lot of the other characters as well because they're that good that they can voice multiple characters and you rarely can tell the difference sometimes. And like I said, there's a lot of good messages in this. Just you know, a lot of messages about uh, family and friends and you know, keeping the, the people that are important to you important. Uh, there's also other messages because there was an interesting storyline that started in season one. There's a character, uh, Sean Gilmore. He's kind of uh, owns a store that uh, Vox Machina goes to to get some of their magical items played by uh, Sunil Mahotra 
And this is a, a gay character. And this is a gay character that has a crush on Vax. And, and at first, Vax was not very comfortable with this. and uh, But then they grew to become friends. And, and, and in this season, uh, very close friends. And, and I like how, if this were any other show, people would have been shipping them. And they would have made Vax a gay character. Not that there would be anything wrong with that. But I don't think that's true to this character. And the fact that they are... Uh, building relationship between he and Keyleth. Uh, very openly, both characters seem into the other. So that wouldn't have been true to these characters, uh, especially the characters as they've been portrayed in the uh, what I know of the Critical Role series. But what they did, I think, was, was very good and sends a positive message, is that just because Gilmore is gay and Vax is not, it doesn't mean they can't have a close friendship and Vax can't care about Gilmore Gilmore, when Gilmore has been injured in the dragon attack and that they can't hug and, and, and show that they're friends openly when they see each other for the first time in a while. You, you don't have to have the one character turn gay just because the other character is and he likes him or has a, a crush on him. Uh, but you can show these characters, you know, having a close friendship. In spite of the fact that the one guy is straight and the other guy is gay, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't have to be romantic. Uh, and I like that. I, I think that's that's a, a good and positive message to send. So all in all, I've I've loved The Legend of Vox Machina. Season one, I think I liked season two even better than the first season. And I'm so looking forward to season three when whatever that may be. I like how maybe uh, this season and this series hasn't gone exactly beat by beat and plot point by plot point how the... Campaign one, uh, the Vox Machina campaign on Critical Role, the web series went. But I like how you they touch on a lot of the other stories that have gone on in in the Critical Role uh, playing of this campaign, as in, in conjunction with the Vox Machina TV series, you get uh, their involvement with the Slayer's Take. You get Percy going back to his ancestral home in, in Whitestone. You get the Chroma Conclave, and I'll be interested to see, you know, if they they go into some of the other places that the Critical Role Vox Machina campaign went to. Uh, if we're going to see a, an animated representation of that in the Legend of Vox Machina animated series, the, the Cult of Vecna stuff. So it'll be interesting to see where this uh, this story goes and how, how much it follows the Critical Role campaign and how much it deviates from that, how much it uh, maybe goes into new territory. I mean, once the Critical Role campaign was over, it was over. I don't know how much they went back to those characters and some of their other campaigns, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if they keep this Vox Machina story going? I would hope so, because I really enjoyed this, but then part of me wants to see what some of the other campaigns were like, uh, how they would do as a uh, an animated series uh, on Amazon Prime. And there's been no word yet on if it's been greenlit. Uh, Legend of Vox Machina has been greenlit for third season, but I know uh, reviews have been coming in and been very strong uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, and, and things like that. So uh, I'm hoping that we get to see a, a season three. I think we will, because I think a lot of fans really like this as well as critics. So that's my take on it. I loved The Legend of Vox Machina. I love the series. I loved season two. Like I said, I, I think I loved season two even better than season one. And I'm looking forward to a season three that I'm going to love even more than the last two seasons, because this is a show that has been uh, gaining steam and you know gaining momentum and i'm just looking forward to more and more from this series so uh looking forward to that and keep it locked on odds bodkins curiosity shop we'll let you know when we find anything out about a third season when it might be coming out you can stay on top of that at our odds bodkins curiosity shop facebook page we're always posting trailers to the latest movies and series always looking for articles of interest to horror fantasy and science fiction fans from all over the internet all sorts of sources i like to add my two cents as well and no matter where you listen to this podcast please leave a review five stars would be awesome but whatever re review you leave we appreciate that as well as uh, following liking subscribing to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on and and sharing it with anyone you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So until next time. 
Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!